happy September 26th to all of you. Uh, Another episode in my irregularly scheduled podcast, Slice of Life Stories. Um, My last episode, I mentioned that I published or was in the process of publishing a new novella called The Basement. This month, I announced that I have published a collection of short stories titled Killing Berthold Gambrell. Um, The title story uh, has an interesting backstory to it. I attended a writing conference in Mendocino a number of years ago, and afterwards I thought it would be interesting to write a story about um, the death of the writer who hosted the morning workshop that I was a part of for uh, the three-day writing conference. Um, And it was going to be called Killing X, and it was this author's name. Um, As I thought about publishing this collection, I decided that I couldn't do that because I didn't have his permission, and I didn't want to publish that with a real person's name without their permission. So I mentioned that on Twitter, and, and Mr. Gambrell graciously offered to allow me to use his name, um, and so I did. Um, Berthold is a huge supporter of indie writers and self-published writers, and I've um, got to know him through blogging and social media and a website that we have called Writer Supporting Writers. We do regular video chats about writing um, and post them there with a couple of other writers. Um, so. It was a fortuitous event because inserting him into the story instead of the other author gave me a mechanism to to finish the story, which I had been struggling with up until that point. Um, before I read the first few pages of the story, I want to mention that unlike my previous books, the novella, and this collection I've published through a platform called Draft to Digital, which allows me to distribute the ebook to about 10 different um, ebook platforms, including Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, uh, Kobo, and then a few that are um, international. It also allows me to um, make the book available on Overdrive, which libraries use to allow readers to check out eBooks. And the paperbacks are distributed, again, to many platforms. Um, Publishing through Amazon means, for the most part, you're limited to Amazon and its platform. There are a little bit of an, there's a little bit of an exception because they have something called it an expanded distribution network, but they don't really tell you anything at all about that network and what you get out of it. Um, I actually only recently realized that one of my books published through Amazon is available at Books a Million um, on their website and also Powell's Books on their website. Um, but I didn't learn that through Amazon, and I have no idea if I ever sold any books through those other sites. Um, but again, with Draft Digital, the these two new books are pretty much available um, in a lot of different places, not just Amazon. So if you have any interest, 
go to your favorite book retailer and and see if you can find it. Get actually getting it the, into um, book, bricks and mortar stores though, um, that might take a while. But in terms of online, um, I've already seen one of these books. When I Google my name and the book title, I can see that it's at Books a Million, um, and I think there was another. Uh, website, not Amazon or Barnes and Noble that I saw it. So, but anyway, so um, these books are out there. Uh, the ebook for Killing Bertolt Gambrell was available at the beginning of this month. The paperback will be available at the end of this month, within the next few days. The interesting thing about this um, collection and its availability is Amazon will not carry the ebook because many of these stories I've posted on my one of my blogs markpaxson.com and they will not carry an ebook with content that is available at a lesser price or for free anywhere on the internet they will however apparently carry the ebook I mean I'm sorry the paperback because it is currently available to pre-order on Amazon's website. So again, The Basement is the novella. um, And um, it's available pretty much everywhere, both as an e-book and paperback. Killing Berthold Gambrell will be available by the end of this month. Again, virtually everywhere, except the e-book will not be on Amazon. Um... Bertolt Gambrell, by the way, has already posted a review of this book on his blog, uh, Ruined Chapel, um, at midnight. And according to him, my writing is like a combination between John Steinbeck and Billy Joel's The Piano Man. So I'm just going to put that out there and thank Bertolt for those very kind words. And now here are a few pages killing Berthold Gambrell. The first thing I need to say is that I never meant to do it. It was never, never my plan to see Berthold die. In fact, I wish he was still here, writing stories, short and long, plying his craft in that half-manic way all talented writers seem to do. I mean, seriously, the man has more talent behind his sparkling eyes and Cheshire grin than most of us wannabes can ever dream of. Here's the second thing you should know. I didn't actually kill Bertolt Gambrell. He did it by his own hand. People may argue, and that's probably why I'm sitting in the Mendocino County Jail right now, that I provided him with the means to do it, that I might as well have pulled the trigger and put a bullet in his brain. But that would all be a pack of lies. For one thing, there wasn't a gun involved. For another, I wasn't even there when he died. I only arrived after his last last breath, when the blood had stopped pooling. To tell you the truth of the matter, I have to go back to the beginning. Okay, maybe earlier, before the beginning. I was at my local writing workshop. The leader spoke of Berthold Gambrell in such glowing terms and read excerpts from one of his novels. But way before that, I was running in a marathon training group with a new friend. We found out we both wrote, me fiction, him poetry, although he was beginning to dabble in short stories. He, 
Well, I guess he should have a name, otherwise you, the reader, may get lost. I mean, so far, I've only named Berthold in this ramble of a story. You know nothing of me except that I sit in jail for his death. My workshop leader is not only nameless, but also sexless as well, and now I've introduced a friend. You must want a name. His name was... Well, wait a second. Isn't that an odd thing about writing in the past tense? His name was suggests he is no more. He most definitely is still more, unlike Berthold, who most definitely is now in the was category. His name is, most emphatically is, Rich. I met him on a training run. Rich is one of those guys who knows every obscure writer there is, and he expected me to know them as well. If I write, I must be as literate as he is, or as it was. He threw names out left and right and then would raise his eyebrows when I would shrug. So obscure I can't even remember the name of one of them to hold up and say, See? Who ever heard of this guy? Rich had. And he could quote the author and, well, here's, here's what he could do. We're ending a run and talking about writing and he says something like this. Bertolt Gambrell, you ever read him? The eyebrows went up in tandem with my shoulders. Well, he could do this thing. And Rich would be off describing the thing. All of these writers he threw at me while I dodged my way through my apparently illiterate past always had a thing they did. What was Berthold's thing, according to Rich? I can't possibly remember anymore. All I know is this. That was back before the beginning, before I ever knew I'd end up in the same room with Berthold Gambrell doing his thing. I wonder what Rich thinks of me now caught after a high-speed chase up Highway 1 in the fog and dark of a late July evening, high speed there being 10 miles an hour on the hairpins and because of the fog, 30 on the straightaways that last just long enough for the next breakneck curve to appear and slap you into your seatbelt. They got me just before Westport, three cops behind me, two in front. You ever seen the flashing blues and reds in pea soup fog? You should, just once. Hopefully, if you do, they won't be coming for you. Could word have got to Rich already? Is he mourning the loss of a modern great one who had a thing like the dead guy? Well, wait a sec. I guess Bertold's a dead guy with a thing now, too. Maybe Rich would appreciate the cruel irony there. Isn't death what it takes for obscurity to become greatness? That was before the beginning. Then there was the beginning. The workshop leader read an excerpt from the directorate. She spoke glowingly of the book and of Berthold's storytelling ability. During a break, one of the workshop participants mentioned that the fabulous Mr. Gambrell would be leading a short fiction workshop at a writing conference in Mendocino. And I was off. The web gave me the details. I found a great place to stay, added a couple of days on after the conference ended for some me time and made my plans. I got into Berthold's master class on short fiction. Shocking, I know. They knew not what they were doing, allowing a mere pretender such as myself into what I was sure would be an august group of writers. In preparation, I knew I needed to discover Berthold's genius before I arrived in Fort Bragg. I had purchased the aforementioned at the Directorate and Vespasian Moon's fabulous Autumn Carnival. If I was going to be in a class with him for three days, I surely needed to read his works, to learn about him and how he wrote, 
to properly fawn over him in the quiet moments when I could gush over that thing he did on page 183 and how he wrapped it all up in the end. Here's where the grand plan began to crash down upon me. I read the directorate, but just barely. Even if there was a space elevator in the story. After that slog, I moved on to something else that most definitely had nothing to do with Vespasian Moon. I arrived in Fort Bragg as a result, completely unprepared for the fawning and gushing. The conference and the morning workshop, with Bert told, came and went. The details of the workshop discussions were mostly irrelevant, so I won't bore you with the details. For if I were to do so here, I might find it necessary to editorialize about the other participants none of whom turned out to be scary like I thought they would be. We were all struggling writers reaching for the dream. Of pe various pedigrees and talents, we gathered and discussed. No need to discuss such things as the fabulous Mr. Takai, who spoke critically of others' failed efforts to connect with him emotionally, but then defended his unemotional jaunt through extramarital flares by stating, I tend to write emotions very minimally. No need to discuss the wonderful Scirocco Palomar, who could never actually talk about the big picture of a story, but who demanded that every little thing must be explained. Every little nuance and allegation, hint and accusation, must not be left to the reader's imagination. The author must explain it all, fully and in details. No, I shan't discuss those things here. I will also avoid my great displeasure that my story was taken up at the very end of the whole thing, leaving me guessing and wondering where I fit into it all. Instead, I'll start where it began to get ugly. It was the local girl who started it, bringing maple frosted cupcakes for everybody. Amelie was her name. Yes, Amelie. She was nice. Talkative as all get out, but a decent person. I mean, who brings cupcakes for 12 mostly strangers? who isn't nice. Some people picked at theirs. Oh, wait a sec. I think she even brought gluten-free cookies for the participants who were averse to gluten. See? She was that nice. Too damn nice. So that's the tally. I couldn't fawn or gush over his books, although by the end of the workshop, I had bought two more. Exactly what I needed. A library of books by an author whose style may not actually work for me. I cracked one of them open the last afternoon and started scanning the first story. The Revival and Other Stories. His first published work, award-winning, critically acclaimed. And after a few pages, I wondered if it would end up in the same category as the directorate. Back to the tally. No fawning, no gushing, no cupcakes, nothing other than my presence to impress this man who had the Holy Grail. An agent, a publisher, contracts, books published the traditional way. He had what I wanted. The local girl had an in. Cupcakes and jokes about giving him the poisoned one. Sure. Build a rapport with him while I could only sit on the sidelines and watch. I got my chance later, though. A few of us gathered at the tip-top lounge the final evening of the workshop. We had a couple of drinks, toasted each other, promised to keep in touch, and help each other out. I was getting up to leave and head back to my rental. I looked forward to the next couple of days when I could explore and be quiet again. All this interaction with strangers had worn me out. That's when Gambrell came in. Damn, if the setting sun didn't create a halo around him. As I approached him, he smiled and dipped his head to me. Amelie saw him and screamed. 
Berthold, over here. Gambrell looked at me again. I may have imagined it. It was hard to see his face in the darkened bar with the sun behind him, but I thought he raised his eyebrows at me, like a pleading expression. Save me, he seemed to be suggesting. Save him? I turned back to the group. Four of our little gang of wannabe riders crowded around a high-top table, Amelie, all bubbly and fake. She was already walking towards Gambrell, trying to reel him in so she could be within his aura. Robert, who said, My story was about a social family, a concept I was still noodling over. It made it all sound so weighty, when all I wanted to do was write a story about three kids growing up in difficult times. And most importantly, write it from the shifting perspectives of each of those kids. I thought that could be my thing, because after listening to my new friend Rich enough, I began to think every writer needs a thing. Shiraco, still drinking the same glass of white wine. Rarely did she engage in conversation, except when it turned to the writing itself. Her work far exceeded the rest of it, rest of us. She already had a publisher. Why was she even there? And Iris, the older lady whose story was about the gardener who worked on her flowers and reminded her of the man who took her virginity all those decades ago. Takai had been there for a few moments, downing a beer, Pabst Blue Ribbon, before begging his pardon. I was, I'm sure he was off in search of emotion and feeling. Save him? Nah. I guess I'm rejoining the party. What do you have? It's on me. I took Gambrell by the elbow and steered him towards the table. After I ordered another beer for me and a whiskey on the rocks for him, I leaned over to Emily. Let's get him drunk as shit, she giggled. And that's where I'll leave that story for now. If you'd like to hear the rest of it, feel free to buy the book. Um, and before I go, I'll just mention that this collection includes... Killing Bertold Gambrell, Carnies, What Happens When a Pet Dies, Nobody Important, The Life of a Shoe, The Last Dance, Memories of Foom, The Rosewood, The Rosewood, An Obituary, Aleppo, Beelzebub and Lucifer, Coyote, Spaces After the Period, and Deviation. There are also some untitled uh, poems scattered between the stories. So, hope you have enjoyed this, and if you buy the book, I hope you enjoy it, and I appreciate it and post a review.